0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Small Council Radio. Uh, This is where we discuss anything and everything, a song of ice and fire. Uh, And tonight uh, we're going to be discussing something that doesn't really get discussed much, and that is all the, I guess I would call it the odds and ends, Uh, deployment, uh, going first or second, terrain, objectives, all that good stuff. Um, So... You know, we do this show live, so that you guys can kind of, you know, jump in when you need to, or you can call in, and you know, we can let you on, and you can kind of discuss with us, you know, some of your points, and or even just to ask us or some of the guests questions. Uh, and for those of you that can't make it to the live show, uh, we do have it recorded on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and uh, think that's all of them. And of course, Blog Talk Radio, which is where we uh, do the live show through. Um, So definitely uh, check out uh, some of the previous episodes if you haven't gotten a chance to. Uh, Tonight with us, uh, we just have myself and Jose. Uh, A lot of the guys are either sick or a lot of things kind of came up last second. So uh, uh, Justin uh, might be on. It depends on when he gets home. Uh, if he can get on with us, but uh, otherwise, yeah, it's just going to be us two tonight. Uh, uh, First up on the show, we're going to kind of go over going first or second, Um, and this is one that I I love talking about with new players, because coming from Warhammer 40k, uh, it's clearly better to go first and no real advantages to going second. I mean, some people can argue that there's some advantages to going second, but in my opinion, there really isn't, uh, you know, especially if you're a shooty army, you, you know, you kind of make or break whether or not you're going to really demolish your opponent on getting the first turn to shoot or they can even move a single unit. But in this game, going first and second is so evenly matched, depending on your preference, that, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a toss up, um, I'll start it off with kind of like my reasoning on what I like better. Uh, And like I said, there's no clear better of the two, but my preference is I always like to go first. uh, And that's mostly because I find that in competitive games, most games end turn five, almost exactly turn five, usually not turn four and not turn six. Um, just with the 90-minute rounds, it just always ends up being turn five. That being said, uh, that means you get to go first on first, third, and fifth, not only the first turn, but then also the last turn, and you get one more turn of going first than your opponent. Um, But then also, uh, not only that, but because on round two, a lot of people that like to go second for this reason, which is getting the first charge off, personally, Uh, I usually play more defensive, especially if I have blackfish and if I have set for charge. I absolutely love it if my opponent charges me and I can play that set for charge and then take the combat zone. So now I'm getting the combat zone on their turn, turn two. I'm going to then get it on three because I'll have first activation. And then I'm going to get it again on turn five because I'm going to have first activation, meaning really they're only going to get it against me on turn four and maybe turn six. Now granted you know there could you could uh, have that first first round where both players you know clash really quickly because I've had plenty of those where you know both players just run up super quick and then they have some sort of maneuver abilities to get them in combat but usually um, uh, you know the situation I just described is kind of what happens and so that's kind of my justification of
1: why I love to go first. Um, yeah, what, what's your take, Jose? Um, well, I mean it's a really good point. Like the, I do think I do agree that most games only really go to like turn five, you know, I I really rarely get a game to go full six turns. Um so that is a good point. But uh for me it really depends on the game mode and the army I'm playing. So like I'll give you an example. So for when I play Baratheon, um Sometimes, uh, depending on the game mode, I'll either choose first or second, whatever whatever I think will get me to be the more reactionary, like in a more reactionary position. Because like with Brethians, right you want to be reactionary. So you know that I think of who I'm playing, what game mode, and um, who I'm playing in the sense of like what army I'm going up against and how they're gonna maneuver and stuff. And so I want to get myself in the best reactionary position. Whereas you know, um, a really aggressive, like start list or something, you may want to be the first ones out there to like make that first charge. So it all depends. Um, for me, uh, I don't think I have it a go-to, uh, whether it's first or second, it just, it just really depends on, on the, the situation. So I find myself going back and forth. i really like that first decision, of uh, where we're going first or second is usually something I think about, um, Really, in, I guess a little, a little more in depth than most. For that reason, just because I need to figure out what well, would put me in the best position, depending on what I'm using and what they're using. So that's 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 usually what I how I approach that that situation.
0: I mean, that's a good point. Maybe I uh, if I just see things through the lens of Starks so often,
1: <laughs> even though oddly
0: enough. Oddly enough, I only really play Starks most of the time when I'm doing competitive play. Uh, all the times right. I'm playing casual, I usually pull out all the other different armies. But, um, I mean, with that said, yeah, I, uh, it really depends on what faction you're going to play. It also depends, I think, on what mission, because uh, going first can be a big deal for objective missions, for the fact that you can take that maneuver zone first turn. Uh, especially mm-hmm. if you're a slower army and you need it, or exactly. just you know to get to, get to the objectives first, or maybe because you're a slower army, maybe your thought process is your opponent's gonna get to it to uh, the objectives before you anyways. So let them just have first turn, so that second turn you can maybe you know charge into them to get them off of it. Um, and like I was saying, there really is no bad option. Uh, it just comes down to your plan and your faction. Uh, one thing to also consider, I guess, like Night's Watch, Night's Watch, especially now with Bowen being increased in points and all the other NCUs getting such a buff, and you're probably not going to see Bowen used almost ever anymore, in my opinion. Um, Night's Watch love their tactics cards. So going first sometimes just to take the mail away from them is a you know, a pretty decent strategy in itself. Um, Because first turn, let's face it, the only two good options, in my opinion, are uh, mail and maneuver, as far as, like, the very first action to take in the game. Some could say the crown, but then you just, on average, you just rebuttal with taking a money bag and heal it especially now that you can't like bomb someone for six wounds most you're doing is four and then the money bags can ensure that you heal at least three or that you're going to heal three of it so i think like you ask yourself you know do you want the cards to kind of stack your hand depending on if your faction you know has like a really strong tactics deck or if uh you know, you want the maneuver because you need to get that objective first, or even if you're taking either of those to
1: shut your opponent out from taking those. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, honestly, I agree with everything you just said. Um, Yeah, I I don't think first turn on the board, um, you really want to go for anything else. I mean, maybe if you have like a card you want to pop off or something, uh you may grab a different spot like it requires that card or something but other than that, yeah, the mo- the the two most sought after positions on the board, uh turn one are gonna be the male and the horse or and then whoever it's like whoever grabs if like if you grab the horse, I'm gonna grab the male or vice versa. So that's usually how it's gonna go. Yeah, and
0: <clears throat> um I think out of everything we're gonna discuss tonight definitely this is the one that's there really is no bad option. Uh, You just have to know what your plan is going to be. Uh, Just picking one to pick one might not go over so well if you're not really thinking about what you're planning to do. Um, Yeah. So just uh, keep it in mind when you're, uh, you know, depending on the mission and the way things are presenting, this is a nice thing now with the new uh, way things are with 1.5 is Choosing to go first or second is the absolute last thing you do. Uh, Based on the order of like operations, if you look at it, uh, you even look at your three tactics cards before you decide if you're going first or second. So, um, just kind of figure out, you know, what mission am I playing? What faction am I playing? What faction is my opponent playing? Is it you know objectives based, and so on. And then, you know, maybe even depending on what cards you drew in your hand, if you drew some cards that will allow you to do something, you know, really awesome in the first round, or let's say you drew a really bad hand, you're like, I want to go first, Joe, so I can take the the, uh, mail, so I can draw two more cards. Or maybe you might say, you know, uh, screw this hand, and you're going to go first, just take the maneuver, and then ditch all three cards first round, draw three new ones start of yeah,
1: uh exactly. yeah yeah I, I agree on percent with everything so
0: did you uh
1: have anything else uh, you wanted to add to that? Uh no, I mean I think I think we've kind of covered everything. I think we're on the same page with most of the stuff so um, I think uh yeah, I think I think we're good. I think that's pretty pretty spoken for.
0: Awesome. All right, so next up on our list we have terrain and uh just how uh how to place it and what to choose. Uh so I to mention though that I feel like the game is moving away from picking your own terrain. Um especially like with Adepticon. I believe every single uh uh tournament is random terrain uh with only a roll of a seven being uh you know player's choice. So keep that in mind, uh to be kind of versatile. In our friendly games we've all been doing random as well because one, it's kind of fun to have a little bit of variety, but two, you know, it it you know it uh it teaches you all the different um the pieces. It's funny how you know, you get so caught up with like the major ones, you know, the bog, the tree, and the um, horse pile, that you you completely forget what a hedge and a stone wall even do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't uh, I couldn't even have told you what those did, you know, before we started doing random terrain. But now that you know we played enough, you know, I not only know what all the pieces do, but I also know. The keywords and what they do and i almost have the table like the random piece of terrain table memorized yeah so it's definitely if you don't play with random terrain i highly suggest it uh that seems to be the way things are going as it is but i mean i guess it depends on your play group and uh what they plan to do uh i do like both though um when they first uh, suggested random terrain, I was still in the boat of I liked preset terrain or uh, player choice tournaments, but now that I've gotten used to random, I definitely see it as, uh, you know, something that uh, I'm okay with, you know, and I definitely don't mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, when it was pick-your-own terrain, usually, it, and this was back when the morale thing was different, too, for the, for the panic checks, so it was typically just corpses and trees. Um, that was usually what, like red trees, the, the way woods That's usually what was going on in the field. Um, I mean, rarely, so rarely you said rarely, you just see hedges or walls or anything, spikes, uh, you know, anything like that. So I I really like the round terrain too. Um, like you said, it makes you use different things and get to know different um, pieces of terrain. I also I also like the fact that you have to always adapt to Situation, you know, I've had some games where, like, if I'm vers, I was versing. Uh, one game in particular, I was versing uh, Targaryen, and um, everything that was out was like walls. So it was, it was like walls and like bogs. So I was like, "Oh, this is great!" Like, so I, <laughs> I was like, "I, you know, use it to my advantage." And you know, it's it was uh, it was cool, you know. And then, uh, as I'm sure the Targaryen player had to like really adapt, or I mean, and, and vice versa, I've been in situations where it's not my favor and you have to adapt. And I, I, I kind of like that. Um, I, I, I think it's, I think it's cool. I think it really sharpens your skills as a player um, being able to adjust accordingly to whatever situation is, you know, you may have like a, a game mode that you think, Oh, my, my list is really good at game mode. And then the terrain kind of just throws that wrench in there, but it's never anything like, I don't think anything that like, is like super hindering. It's just more of like, like I said before, it's like you have to adapt, and then it just increases your player, like your skills as a player. So I I, I really enjoy it. Um, I think it's cool they kept the option, like in rule of seven, to at least have the option to choose. I think that's kind of cool. Um, and I kind of like, too, that you can even sometimes have three-terrain or five-terrain now. Because um, before, I think it was only four, right? It was like four of the standard.
0: Yeah, it was each player chose two.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's that's always something interesting too. Um so I, I mean I I I truly enjoy it and uh, and I think like you said too, most, you know, it's kinda of becoming a standard um in tournaments and I know even like you said even in our group, um, we always use random terrain. Um so I think uh I, I, I like it. So I'm glad I I made, I, yeah, I made that change.
0: I think uh another thing is that um uh even with, if you roll a seven, and let's say we both roll and then I roll a seven and I pick a weirwood tree, well, then you roll to see who places the first piece. So even though I right, chose the right, weirwood exactly. tree, you could end up placing it. So that's the nice thing is that even if you get a player's choice, the player who picked the piece doesn't, isn't guaranteed to get to place it. Um, yep. But then the only problem I guess I have with it is the way um, it's the table is set up. You Sometimes with average rolls, you end up with so many uh, wall, uh, low walls and uh, palisades and um, hedges. And then even with five pieces, if you have five destructible pieces, by the end of the game, you have like one of them left. Uh, I almost feel like each of the... It'd be nice if at least the stone wall or the low walls and the uh, the hedges, at least those two, if like whenever you picked those, you got like two of them, but they had to be touching or something rather than like, you know, two separate. They could be like an L shape or like, you know, like a, like a, a V or something, but just something a little more because it just kind of sucks because those pieces are cool, but it just sucks when like, by the middle of the game, if they all just get attacked really quickly, and then you get a, a field of no terrain again, um, but
1: I don't I, know. I mean, That's I,
0: just kind of go
1: ahead. Oh, I I don't know. I mean, I think um, I I think it's fine the way it is. Personally, um, I I find that myself and most of my opponents and we don't usually attack the terrain i mean unless it's like super important to do it which you know in most games let for example there's like four pieces maybe one or two are attacked maybe um you know um just because i like wasting a turn to attack a piece of terrain i mean unless you get the swords but even still so, you're usually giving something else up like attacking another unit or something so it has to be something that's like super important to your plan or to, to win the game or, or, or something just because most people I find are not really, including myself included, are not usually just attacking the terrain um, to get rid of it. And even still, like, I even had it too. Like, let's say, like, uh, I'm bursting, like, a really uh, shooty army. Let's say I'm bursting uh, a nice watch player that has a lot of range and stuff. And um, a forest comes out as one of the terrain. Like, I've seen, you know, they'll even just from the jump, like, put the terrain, like, really off to the side you know, just get that out of the way or or, or something like that, you know. So I, I don't Yeah. Um you know, you, you also still have that too when you get to place it so you can like just throw it off to the side or whatever. So usually I don't find that people are attacking it. Um so I, I don't see it as a problem. Um, and I, I think it's fine the way it is. And I, I even when it is a bunch of walls and hedges and stuff, like I always I'm always kinda like, Oh, this will be fun, like this will be cool, it's different. Because, like I said, for for like a I don't know, however long, a year, a year and a half, or whatever, you know, I've just been playing where it's just rare uh, woods and corpses, so it's really, truly really different. So maybe, maybe it's because yeah. it's newer, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, I, be, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I feel differently a year from now or something, but right now, I, I like it the way it is.
0: I almost feel like actually, I don't know. I feel like a simple change would just simply be that, um, like. I don't know, take away the destructible uh, keywords so that you couldn't destroy. Like, I mean, I guess the only problematic one would be the spiked barricade because, you know, you're the, constantly the, taking damage. Well, now that you can uh, pivot over it, it's not such a big deal. Um, but the spike barricade, even if you pivot over it, you take damage. But I guess uh, it, uh, in particular, the stone wall and the uh, hedge... Like, do you really need to destroy those? Like, are those... They aren't really powerful effects. Like, I guess my only real problem with it is I just don't like seeing the board with nothing on it if all the pieces do end up getting attacked. It just looks barren. You know, it's... I like 3D terrain, but in this game, it kind of gets in the way. So I just kind of deal with the 2D terrain, but then when the 2D terrain almost becomes non-existent, I guess it just bothers (laughs) me a little bit, but um, we can kind of move on to like, um, some of the tactics for uh, terrain. So one thing I absolutely love doing, even though I'm a fast army with my Starks and I play more aggressive, uh, just to take out any, uh, any what's the word, uh, any unpredictable outliers that I might not be thinking of. For Dance of Dragons, any time I get the chance to, I will put a coarse pile, a bog, or a a hedge, or anything that will reduce the movement uh, of the unit underneath the objectives so that when they pick it up, they're now not only a 2-inch movement, they're a 2-inch movement with minus 1 to their movement. And the reason I do that is uh, when I grab the objectives with my fast army, you know, I become slow like them, so I don't want them to be able to grab the objectives and run away uh, too quickly between free maneuvers or whatever the case may be. Maybe they're another fast army. Uh, I just like to make sure that the objectives kind of stay almost exactly where they're at and aren't going to move far. And so that way I can kind of keep in the fight with whoever has the objective, because uh, with those ones it's when you fail morale or if you die. My my armies tend to have really good morale, uh, so I don't mind being in the thick of it and just trying, you know, trading blows because more often than not. Uh, I'm usually going to be a bit more like more stronger in offensiveness and uh, better morale to keep the objectives if they fail in the morale and I you know claim it. So I definitely like placing, um, you know, anything that slows the opponent down underneath the objectives so they can't run away with them. Because especially with wolves, um, I've done it myself before where you know I run my wolves up, grab them, and then four inches a turn, just move away four inches a turn while I clog everything up with my combat units. And, you know, by the end of the game, my wolves are like all the way in my deployment and my opponent really can't get to them.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I, it's so funny. I I feel like uh, as much as we talk about this game, I don't think we've ever talked about this. And I feel like we have different approaches. (laughs) It's kind of, it's kind of funny. Um, there's, yeah, no, it's not a bad thing. It's just it's interesting because like we, we talk about this game all the time, like even outside of the show. We I, I don't think we ever like discuss this stuff, and it's funny hearing like your opinion. And I'm like, oh wow, like you make really good points. Um, but I, you know, I don't know, man. I I don't think, you know, like Dance of dragons, like I don't. There's very few times someone has like gotten, you know, gotten the token and ran away from me. Like you said, like there's like wolves, or maybe against like Targaryens, like a you know full cavalry army or something, but usually they're not, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're movements too, you know, like, they're not really going that far, um, you know, outside of those two things, the wolves and the cavalry, so, I guess, the, I mean, usually depending on what the, my opponent is bringing, um, I mean, I I feel like I would just, I would focus more on the combat, you know, like, let's just pretend someone did get away from me, like, I, let's just pretend a unit of like, I don't know, uh, Stark Sworn Swords, or Swarm Brothers, or whatever, like, Happen to get something and get it like a token and get away from me, I mean, that's one unit like I don't have to deal with, and then I'll just pound the other ones. So I think we just have different different approaches. I mean, if you if you brought a list with like three wolves, then uh, yeah, I'd probably put something to slow you down, uh, or <laughs> like an all cavalry list or heavy cavalry. But if it's like, you know, the majority of people playing like that you know different armies and stuff, like I I probably would just like more focused on the, the combat. So, like, put down, you know, walls or the spikes or palisades, maybe to, like, funnel them a bit. Um, but, again, that's coming from me just from playing Grafian a lot lately. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, even if I played Starks, I think I still played the same, really. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, how, that's my approach to it, I guess, for, like, be more, especially in that scenario, just more combat focused. Because in that one, if I um, – that I mean, like I said, if they're, if they're moving two, they really you can't march, you know. So they really can't get away from you that quickly. Um, only, You'd only if I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, if you, if you have wolves or if you have cavalry, and then or my other thing I would say is if you're really heavily out activated, because then you really like even if you focus into other units, it may not be enough. But if you're like evenly activated, ever and let's just pretend that someone did get away from you, like yeah, they're like let's just say that you know, five five uh, units on five units, I mean, one of them goes away, now it's five or four. You know, chances are you'll be able to, like, hold more, you know, hold the objectives or, or kill more people and get more points that way. So, like, not not too worried about it, usually. Again, that's usually, not always, but usually. Yeah. So well, I funny. mean, even,
0: uh, even think of it this way, though. Uh, let's say... Um, over the course of a whole game, let's say. So uh, one inch usually means that you're probably never leaving that spot ever again. Uh, And the importance Mm -hmm. of that not only is maybe running away, but there's been times where if I kill off one side of the board and my opponent kills off the other side of the board, but I'm claiming the middle and the one side, their other side of the board can't reach me quick enough because now they're a one-inch, you know, they they effectively have that one unit on it that can't move. You know, it would take you way more turns than there are in the, or rounds than there are in the game to get the one unit over to the other side of the board. Mm-hmm. I guess that also yeah. comes down to just, I'm confident that I'm like a one-on-one unit, that my units are going to usually win. So, um, and, in in the case that my my unit does lose, you won't be able to gang up on me because the ones that are controlling the objectives are effectively out of the fight.
1: That is that is true. Like um, man, you know, I think I guess it just boils down that we just had different approaches, really, because it's all really situational too. But you did bring up some good points yeah. there. Um, you know, because like you said, like if someone has like the far left objective and and the fight's happening, you know, more towards the right. And yeah, I mean, that unit's out, you know, like there's no way to, I I don't want to say drop it, but uh, I mean, I don't know. So. And that's
0: one thing to keep in mind if you're playing, like, if you have a fast unit, if you have uh, like a cavalry unit, do whatever you can not to use them as your objective holder. (laughs) Otherwise, Because you have to remember, like, I'm talking to, like, anyone listening, you have to remember that you're paying for the points that you're, the fact that your unit is a cavalry. Like, they're not just, for example, if Outriders were Outriders but didn't have the cavalry, if they were just, let's say, Sworn Swords, but with all the cavalry stats, uh, so they didn't have the free maneuver and all that, um, they wouldn't be worth seven points, or at least, I'm, you know, I'm Sure, on factors that a cavalry unit is paying for that uh, in their stats. So um, don't use them to pick up the objective or else you're kind of neutering the unit. Now, if you don't really have a choice, then yeah, but um, try to do whatever you can to maybe use that cavalry unit to shoot past the objective and hit them with a charge and have some other unit follow up behind to grab that objective. Having those cavalry units free to roam around the table will then allow you to get to the other side of the table uh, on the other side. If you're, you know, if you're doing well on one side but need help on the other, whereas if they're holding that objective, they're not going to be able to get to the other side even with the two-inch movement instead of the one-inch.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is very um, true. Um, and even they can even chase down that unit that's, you know, on the far side of the like of the fight. If they get to, they can even. And the ones who get to the quickest too, even so. Yep. Um,
0: I guess some other strategies. Uh, if there's a piece of terrain that's really gonna hurt you, just throw it away. Or like you know, especially in like fire and blood, where it can be anywhere on the table, you can throw it in like the corner of the table. I know that sounds kind of dumb, and you know, but no, I mean, if,
1: if we're it. talking <laughs> competitive,
0: yeah, if we're talking competitive, you know, do it. You know, if it's if it's a corpse pile and you're list really doesn't want to see that course pile, throw it in the corner of the table. Or if it's uh you know, if it's not fire and blood and it can't be in a deployment zone, throw it all the way over to the edge uh to the edge you care the least about. You know, don't let your opponent get the benefits of a terrain piece that you probably didn't have control over, uh, you know, 'cause it's all random. Um or even you know, obviously the only way you'd have control over it is if you rolled a seven and then you picked it. <laughs> but uh or even a tree, you know, if your opponent benefits from, you know, Night's Watch. I know a lot of Night's Watch players that throw course files out, but it always boggles my mind when they do, because they have so many effects that require themselves to pass a morale test, and they, other than like Jorah now, they don't have any good ways to re-roll, Use the boost, man. or do any of that, so... Yeah. Trees are like Night's Watch's best friends. If your opponent's a Night's Watch and there's a tree out there, try to place that tree where it's gonna be least uh beneficial for a night's watch. And then place the course files where it's gonna be most beneficial. Because, again, that you know, as much as a tree helps a uh, Night's Watch, a course file is gonna hurt them. Um, yeah. s- same thing with uh you know, the average morales <clears throat> out there now with the new panic changes. Um a the Starklist now uh, really doesn't like Corpse Piles unless, you know, they're running, like, all, uh, you know, Berserkers or some sort of, like, morale boosting on the units. But, like, 6-up and 7-up morale really hate Corpse Piles because you're really increasing that chance that that, uh, you know, that you're going to fail. Um, so just keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um.
0: Let's see. Uh, depending on your play style, mine is very cautious. So let's say if I always try to make all the terrain symmet- uh, symmetrical, so if my opponent gets to place first and they place a piece and it advan- advantage how do you say that word, like advantage to them, uh, I will do opposite. Because you don't know who's going to have what side of the board yet, and I don't want to pile it all on one side and risk it all due to one dice roll. So, uh, and we'll talk about this in a second, but the same thing go- is true with objectives for me. If my opponent places one beneficial to them on their side of the board, I place it opposite. So mostly this is like Game of Thrones. Um, just because I don't want to be like, oh, there's four objectives on their side and only one on my side, and now whoever wins this dice roll is going to have the better chance of having all the objectives on their side. So I always try to place it to where everything will be even, so that way I'm not, you know, screwed over by a single dice roll.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, so for me, what I do is uh, I am also, a def- I use like a defensive player. Um, I tend to like to react more. Um, I think that's why I really like the brand um, But so like what I do with terrain um, like strategy wise as far as placement I try to place the terrain to like funnel them like funnel my opponent like shorten the battlefield almost. And um, so I kind of like you know if I'll I'll look to put like palisades on the ends, um, or like if if they're playing uh, I don't know if they're playing uh, like Lannisters, I'll use like weirwood trees if it's out to like funnel them or something. Like you know I try to like funnel it and then as far as token placement, I try if we have the option to place tokens, I'll try and place them kind of close together so that I can like. Turtle so like if my- oppo- like so like if my opponent places something you know more towards the left, then I'll try and stack the tokens on the left side, for example, I'll start building it like that, just so I can like uh, as a Baratheon player, I want to like turtle and just kind of like keep everybody close um so that's my approach to it um, you know i don't I don't really like to keep my army too spread out um and and I like to keep it close, like close quarters. Um, I I think even if it's just a of thumb for me, like, I don't know if it's my play style or what, but um, I find that if I end up having to put like a unit off on their own, they're usually not going to make it, you know, um, like whether it's from panics or just like getting teamed up or something like they're usually not going to make it. So it's, it's, better to, for me in my opinion to play from kind of close so that you can support each other like with your other units and then so what I do is I guess I just try to keep my tokens close and then funnel the fight to one side of the board or funnel it to the middle or something but just try to like keep everything uh, close quarters so that I can support my other units and then hopefully just come out on top um, from fighting or just sitting on these objectives um, being able to like defend each other by supporting and stuff but that's more I don't know if it's maybe it was more my play style I'm not I tend to like not be a like super aggressive uh, player even when I played Starks I played them I mean I played them as defensively as possible <laughs> so like you know about playing Blackfish just I hit a commander um, and I used to love running the sworn shields and stuff just cause you know, I, I don't know if it comes from my background of like playing game, Um, you know I played uh, the old school like fantasy I played dwarves so I don't know if it comes from that kind of background, but that's what I tend to do even in this game. So
0: yeah. And before we kind of segue right into objectives, kind of because there was a lot of good points uh, that tie in with objectives, I just wanted to touch on one more strategy sort of with a uh, terrain, and that's uh, you know putting objectives right on top of uh, spiked barricades if you're a more slower army. So, if they're all cavalry or something, it does them no good to rush right up to the objective if they are going to have to spend a turn to attack it. Because the objective uh, perfectly fits within the template of a spiked barricade. So, there is no physical way to touch the objective without touching or moving over the uh, barricade. So, keep that in mind. If you're more, even if you're fast, but your opponent is just faster, keep that in mind to just throw an objective or uh, depending on which one gets placed first, you know, put overlap them. So that way you really, you know, I know it hurts both players, but it more so hurts the faster player. So keep that in mind and definitely uh, um, do it if it's more beneficial to you. But yeah, segueing into objectives, um, I would definitely agree. If you're, if you're more of a defensive player, try to, and if you're slower even, and Brathians are, I would say, sort of on the slower end. I mean, they only have three yeah, units right now, and I believe they're, what, five, five, four? So they're three
1: units. Uh, yeah, and then I run three Wardens, so, I mean, my army's like a slug, so. Yeah.
0: So, uh, definitely keeping them uh, compact as much as you can. Um, so, like, I guess this is mostly... Uh, Um, Game of Thrones and the two secret mission, uh, decks. Granted, those ones only matter if you end up drawing the, uh, cards that give it to you, but Game of Thrones is a very popular mission that you will see in practically every competitive game or competitive tournament, um, so definitely keeping them all tight as possible. Now, the reverse is true. If you're a fast army and if you're confident on -on one-on-one battles, uh, definitely spread them out as much as possible uh, yep, I love sure. throwing my two out to the outliers of the board uh, because I know that if my opponent the more than likely I'll have uh, with my wolves I'll have more active or I'll be able to place more and this kind of goes segues sort of into deployment if you're if you can get your opponent to deploy first and you can outweigh outweigh them. If they abandon one of the two outlier objectives, you throw a wolf or a throwaway unit, like your weak unit at it to just sit on it. Because um, that one point every single round will go a long way, especially if it's your weak unit. Not only are they not dying and giving up a, like an easy victory point, they're giving you that one victory point every single turn. So uh, if you can outweigh your opponent, um, definitely try to and definitely help if you're more offensive and/or fast.
1: Yeah, no, I, I would agree. That's because, like, even for me, someone who likes to play defensively, if somehow it ends up being like that, that everything's really spread out, it puts me in a tough position. Because, like, I no longer can really play defensively how I want to. You know, so it's that's very true. I I would agree with that.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those. It's it sucks because. It's one of those there is no good option, I guess, but you just do what you got to do. Like if uh, if you are a Baratheon or a more slower player uh, or like slower army um, and there is two objectives on the outliers, I would say cover middle to one side and you're just going to have to give yeah. up that one side because trying to cover all of it, you, you're probably going to lose out on more than you'll gain by doing that. Um, yeah.
1: Exactly. You no, know, I guess
0: it depends. Then, it depends on what you're going to see across the board. You know, there are some outlier situations where that is not true, but I think more often than not, it will be true that you're going to want to, uh, you know, just kind of abandon the one objective.
1: Yeah, and I, I've done that. And it goes back to what I said before. If they got one unit that's really far out. You know, I just let them have it. I'll let them keep that one, and I'll focus everything on the other side, and hopefully, just be able to just really like whittle them down or, or crush them even. Um, just to give myself the benefit and, like, if if they're getting that one point, who cares if I'm scoring more, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly. You just, if you're, you have to know that if you're going to sacrifice that objective, that you're going to have to really hit them hard and uh, punish them for not having that unit in the fight. You know, don't let them take advantage of those extra points and uh, tying you up on all the other four objectives, you know, really, you know, stick it to them and, you know, rush up there knowing you have the advantage because, uh, you know, if they have a bunch of wolves, you know, if you're, let's say, we're, you're playing against a Stark player where they have, like, the wolves to do that to out-activate you so much that uh, they're either running, like, all Umber and in which case they only have four activations as it is, four units. Now, I guess if they're going to throw a wolf at that objective, then... Throwing one unit over that way to scare off the wolf isn't a bad idea, but I would bring them back into the rest of your force. I wouldn't just leave them over there, I guess. Does that make sense to you, Jose?
1: Yeah, no, it does. It does. Yeah, now that wolves are worth a point.
0: I was going to say, now that wolves are worth a point, you would run away. Yeah, like if you run your, let's say, a unit of sentinels who are a bit faster, at that same objective, they're like, oh, okay, let's uh, just about face and then uh, 18 inches back to the rest of our army, and then you go, okay, I will do the same thing. Not as fast, but now I got you to run away from that objective, and I can go join the rest of my army and fight you over on the other side of the table.
1: Yep. No, yeah, exactly.
0: Um, yeah, as far as anything else with objectives... Uh, Oh, uh um dance 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 with dragons or dance of dragons i always get the get the title mixed up a bit um so this one is a bit uh weird in the sense that uh so it's three set mission cards but to the right uh so the middle one stays the same no matter what but uh the left and right is dependent on who's first uh that's one thing to keep in mind when you're placing the terrain um I love making, uh, if I know my opponent is, want, likes going second, uh, especially because I know I like going first, and the vice, for, vice versa can be true. If you know you like going second and your opponent likes going first, um, make whatever objective that you, them uh, getting to easily uh, on the opposite of the turn they're gonna go, if that makes sense, so for me, it would be I like going first, so I want uh so the n c shut off n c u is the one I like to get um and so that would be on my right side, so I would make uh, my opponent's uh side really bad how how do I explain it without like showing it um <laughs>
1: So if, my opponent goes, uh, uh, so if
0: my opponent goes first, it'll be on my left, meaning I will uh, clog up the left, uh, the, the left side knowing that he's going to want to go uh, first. That way, getting to the NCU one is easier for me. But if he goes first, yeah. then the NCU is on his right, meaning it's clogged up meaning he won't be able to get to it. Okay, that's the way I wanted to explain it. So, yes, if <laughs> uh, if I want to get to the NCU one and it, I'm going first, it will be on my right, so I'll keep it clear on my right side. And then I'll put uh, something bad on the left side if possible. I mean, granted, they can always screw this up by placing something on the opposite side. But if my opponent decides to throw me a curveball and go first, at least – the NCU one's going to be clogged up with like a bog or a course pile or something. Um, that goes back to my strategy of uh, putting a piece that reduces speed um, so that they can't get away and maybe not get away all game. I guess maybe that's sort of what I implied uh, earlier, but even just being able to delay your opponent for a turn or two because you're backing up, backing up uh, and especially if you're taking free maneuvers, swift advance, all these other things that are possible. Um, you can you can effectively, you know, have an objective for a turn or two longer than you should have, but when you're only moving an inch, you're effectively moving nowhere. Um, so that's why I like to clog up the opposite of the side that I plan to take uh, because remember that the opposite of me will be, you know, what's beneficial for my opponent if they decide to go the opposite turn.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. That's a, that's a really good strategy. I would agree, especially because in reality, I mean, in that, in that game mode, the most important uh, objective to grab is the NCU. I mean, having the NCU shut off, is like, I don't know, it's almost like whatever you brought, it just, it's like a waste of points almost sometimes. So, you know, it's 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 the most important one to go for. I think that's the one everybody goes for, uh, or at least tries to go for. Um, you know, that's yeah. why I'll never give up. Like it's if, if, like, if, if in the sense of like, you know, if I'll never leave that one, like if I'll, you know, how earlier I mentioned I'll let an opponent keep one that's too far. However, like that's the one where like, my <laughs> yeah. like, I have to get that one first, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah I mean, I would, I would agree with you. Um, you know, it, like you said, is it is a risk cause... Oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I, I was, was going
0: to say, say that. All
1: right, you go, you go, you go ahead. Man. Okay.
0: I was just gonna say it's funny how the it's funny because the vulnerable and weakened is actually really good, you know, but the n c u one is
1: so good that you're just like, uh
0: nah <laughs> But, yeah go ahead yeah no
1: exactly, no exactly, and I was gonna say that um that uh um even, like so like when you when you grab that one um that's that's the one that my army like that's the one my army was kinda of around i won't I won't uh give that one up, um it's not one to give up at all. Um, and then I, man, you know, and it's funny. I, I had something else I wanted to say. and I don't remember anymore, but it's all right. Don't worry about it. If it comes back, I'll bring it up. But <laughs> yeah, it's just, all right. Don't worry about it.
0: Just, just jump in there if you remember it. Um, yeah,
1: no, you're
0: good. Yeah. Otherwise objectives. Another thing to keep in mind is the middle one is so awkward. Uh, you know, you gain sundering and vicious, uh, but then take D3 wounds. That one's awkward because, a lot of units will usually have one or the other, and taking that D3 wounds is not worth it if you're only gaining one or possibly none of those effects. Uh, And especially if you need to survive with that and you're constantly doing damage to yourself, I can't tell you how many times I've grabbed that thing and ran away with it and just not attacked. Because one uh, one thing a lot of people forget about is that uh, if you grab the objective first, and then your opponent charges you and they do some damage, if you retreat and you can roll good enough, you're going 2 plus a d6. So I guess that's another reason why, you know, that minus for movement is a big deal because if you roll that 6 and you go 8 inches away and then activate and go another 2 away, and then you could really put some distance between you and the center of the battlefield.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I would totally agree with that. Um, even something I, I, I honestly like if I have the middle one, unless I need to attack or something I usually like you said, i usually I'll pass, man. Like I'll I'll rather I'd rather keep my unit. I'd rather clog that up and then just come support it with something else if I have to. But I'll I'll won't attack unless it's something that I like I unless I absolutely need to because, <clears throat> you know, I've I've had it before where you know, I'll, I'll be like, Oh no, it's fine. It's no big deal. I'll attack. And you know, one thing happens after another, before you know it, the unit's gone. So it's like, it's just not even worth it. I'd rather just keep it. So.
0: Yeah. And one thing to keep in mind, maybe throw, if you have a faction or your list has a unit that uh, has something like this, but possibly throwing a unit uh, at it and grab it with is uh, a unit that has a defensive, uh, damage ability. So like um, Blackguard or uh, Lannister Supremacy or just anything where you could just not attack so you're not hurting yourself, but your opponent's still going to take damage as they're attacking you. And then if they become weak enough from simply attacking you and you healing up and stuff, then maybe take that one swing at them and try to finish them off to get them off of you um, is definitely uh, an option.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, that, that's the worst, man. When you're going up against Lannisters and then you're like, okay, even if I'm – like you said, even if they're not attacking me, I'm still going to have a risk of, like, taking the damage, you know. So, it's like I'm, I even might as well have just tried I, – I should have grabbed it before they did type deal because, you know, if they have it – and then when they do need a swing, you know, like if they're going to finish you it off, they're going to have Sundering and Vicious, so.
0: Yep. Um. One thing I think I don't – I don't know if I really need to mention this, but, you know, keep in mind, you know, field commander is going to give you those two points in most missions compared to an NCU commander. Um, So – and also consider not only just a field commander, but one that's going to want to get into the thick of things because let's uh, say, for example, one unit I'm absolutely loving lately is Roderick and Bowman even though you have a field commander, what are the chances that those bowmen are going to grab an objective? So keep that in mind too. Uh, just because you have a field commander doesn't automatically mean you're probably going to want to run them up and grab an objective.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I I would agree as well. And I, and that's why I think it's always important too, to always, you know, especially like in a competitive setting, um, you know, as long as it's available. Like, for example, I say that because right now Muratian and Targaryen, I don't think they have a choice. But as long as the option's available, I always recommend making a list. That's an MCU and a field commander um, for situations like this. You know, um, so that that way, in a situation where it's beneficial to the field commander, you'll have a good list. And then some situations, it's you're you're better off fielding more points on the field. So you may want to like like. Uh, What's the other one? Um, fire and blood. Like you, you like if you have an MCU commander, I mean, well, I guess you still want to field commander because you just extra tokens.
0: But I think you're um, thinking uh, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones actually doesn't have the two point for a commander. The benefit, right? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. So there's, there's yeah, some fans, so, like there's. I know there's some that, that you don't like. It's better to have an MCU and just have more units or, or attachments or whatever on the field to help you win the fight. Yep. So,
0: yeah, um, I. I definitely go – I usually go into most tournaments with one NCU list and one uh, field commander list, though there are times where I'll run two lists that are both field commanders because they've just made – you know, when you only need 10 victory points to win, if you're playing 40, 40 points, uh, you know, that those extra points definitely matter, uh, especially if you can grab an objective early with your commander and just sit on it for three turns. I mean, that's six of the 10 points you needed. Um yeah, that's how, you beat me, like,
1: uh, <laughs> that's how you beat me in our last tournament, actually. You you were, like, seeing an objective with Reming and, like, I couldn't get to him, and he, he got exactly what you said, six points, and I was like, all right, well, there goes that.
0: Yep, and then, you know, that's six points, and then if I have one other unit uh, on an objective for just two rounds, say, that's two points, and if I only killed two of your units, that's two points. I mean, it adds up. That's why, you know, uh, I was always scared about running wolves because if you have like a, you know, before Mance got changed, you know, just a, oh, I'm auto killing your wolf from, you know, blanket effect across the board, no matter where you are, that's like, I don't want to give up those points. You know, I have no problem, you know, playing defensive with my wolves and being strategic with them. But something like that, something I can't avoid, it's just like, oh, free victory point. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, so. So definitely keep that in mind when you're making your list. Uh, you're definitely going to want to at least have one of your two lists be a field, com- like a aggressive field commander, one that's going to get up and in, into the fight. Um, yeah, I think that uh, kind of wraps up objectives, and uh, we can kind of go over deployment. This one should be pretty quick, uh, but deployment. Um, first one I think I want to touch on is uh fire and blood. So this one most deployments are pretty straightforward. You just kinda of wait out your opponent and you do good matchups. In fire and blood, I don't know, this is just me I this goes back to a lot of the other things I've talked about. Um, I just don't like to take chances. I don't like it being coming down strictly to uh maybe my opponent rolling good on going first or deciding to go second, or whatever, and drawing, like, you know, on a, a really good three cards starting. So, even with Fire and Blood, I almost always deploy 12 inches regardless. Even though you get 18 inches, I don't want to be 12 inches away from my opponent if we both deploy 18, uh, because if they have a ranged unit, they're shooting me right off the bat. If they have cavalry, they're char- easy charging me first turn. Um, or even if they're, you know they're Starks and they have, like, swift advances or, you know, devastating impacts, and there's just so many things with so many factions that you can really, uh, you know, things that you're not expecting uh, are going to happen, and so I like to deploy right at 12 with that.
1: Um, (laughs) well, for me, (laughs) I usually, uh, (laughs) I usually like to go the full 18 with the exception of if I'm going against a heavy um, cavalry or heavy ranged uh, army. Uh, otherwise, I'll go the full 18. Um, I think, again, I think it's false to my play style because I, I play more defensively and I kind of tend to turtle my army more. So, like, if they were to, like, charge me first or something, like, I'm not too worried because, again, I have other units to come support. And, um, so i that's, but that might be just me. I, I don't know, but that's how I tend to do it. Um, and then, especially with the Bradian army, um, with things like counter charge and stuff like that, like, I'm not super, super worried about getting charged, um, first. And I actually prefer, like, I'm, I'm a reactionary player, so I actually prefer it. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, like I said, really, just unless I'm playing someone that's cavalry or archery, like or a lot of range, then I'll just I'll just go to full eighteen. I guess that's your reward, fine.
0: If I was gonna say, if my opponent's deploying eighteen, I'll deploy twelve. If they're not deploying the full eighteen, then I'll I'll definitely deploy up more. Uh, I just don't I don't like being only twelve away because it leaves too many like. Things to happen that you
1: you might not be expecting yeah no, I totally, I totally agree, I, I totally see it, and I, and I think for any for all the listeners and stuff, um, you know I think a lot of what we've gone over today in general, I think it's really it's kind of um, I think you should take take it and maybe just kind of like piece it to your own play style because like even just talking you know like if it's me and you talking right now, I, we have very different play styles. So, you, you know, I think for anyone who's listening, just kind of um, just take it and, and see how you can incorporate everything uh, to your own play style or even kind of like what to look out for even. Um, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to place terrain or place tokens or uh, place your units or anything. I just think it's it's really kind of subjective. So uh, just wanted to kind of throw that out there for anyone just listening so um because I, I like i said i mean I, was not, I mean i think you would agree dave i don't think we're saying that anything we're saying is like the right or wrong way it's more so just kind of sharing our thoughts and i, I just kind of hope everybody can kind of uh grab something and learn and, and kind of an idea or, or learn a thing or two of what to do or or uh even like uh how to how to avoid something you know
0: no yeah definitely like that's that's kind of why i named it like tips and tricks you know as uh, the title, because it's definitely things to just, you know, to help, def- uh, like, depending on what faction, what your situation is, um, everything that we've suggested is very situational and not always the right right way. It's just kind of things that we've uh, done that have been successful for us uh, and kind of right. suits our play styles. Um, but it's definitely not like a hard and fast like rule for every situation. You're really going to have to take in all the categories we've talked about and apply them together to figure out what will be the best, you know, route to take. And it's one of those, Mm -hmm. you know, it takes time to and combination of games, you know, playing with going first or second on all the different missions and placing all the different terrains and different spots and the different objectives Uh, This is just over tons and tons of games of playing, you know, depending on, you know, what our listeners, if you guys are new or if you're more seasoned uh, players, it's one of those, you know, if you're more seasoned player, you probably have plenty of games under your belt and you know where we're coming from. Uh, If you're more on the newer side, uh, just try to experiment um, with some of the ideas. It's one of those things that will come eventually uh after you've gotten enough like games in and you're able to try out the different situations with the different you know because there's so many different combinations that we talked about between first second the different types of terrain at different spots of different objectives based on the terrain at different spots and the deployments and who you're playing who your opponent's playing uh and what mission i mean it can get pretty crazy but uh you know, a pattern will emerge and you'll find out what kind of suits you in what situations. And a lot of times you'll be able to just be like, oh, okay, this faction, I'm this faction, my opponent's this faction, I'm going first, the terrain's here, the objective's here, and deployment is this. And you'll be able to uh, set a, almost like chess, you'll be able to set so many turns ahead and plan ahead, be like, I've played this game before. Now, you know, not every game is going to play the same way, definitely, because dice are involved and it's going to change things, but that's how you adapt. But you'll be able to at least have a very solid plan of the order of way things are going to play. And because you'll already have plan A kind of set in stone, it'll allow you to plan plan B and plan C more easily because you won't really have to do plan A because it's already set for you.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I also wanted to, you know, mention, too, that it's always going to change depending on the Army. So um, even when you change Army, so, like, I know, so I've played, I think I've played every Army, at least a little bit, Um, and, you know, if if I come into a situation where I'm playing an Army, like, let's say, I'll give you an example. So when I went from Starks to Baratheon, dude, I had such a hard time with Baratheons because even though I played, I try to play defensively with Starks playing defensively with Starks is different than playing defensively with graphians So like it takes a few games to really get a hang of what, what to do in the sense of like, okay, in this scenario, I want this. And this is like, and you know, and the, I, you know, because you're so used to playing an army, you try to replicate it almost with a new army. And it, you know, every army is so different to where you really can't replicate the stuff and you have to really figure it out for yourself. So you know, just uh, something to keep in mind. Um, and, and like you said, anyone who's, who's been playing the game for a while, it's probably, a, you know, they, you guys are probably aware of that, but for anyone that's newer, um, you know, don't don't feel, uh, like, discouraged. If you come up with, like, some great, you got the hang, the swing of your army, and you know, you know, okay, in this scenario, I'll deploy this, or I'll put this here, and then you try with a new army, and it just doesn't seem to be working. Um, shake things up a bit, you know, is what I would say. Try and, like, you know, if you if you like to go first with your army, then you have a new army like try it's not working, maybe try going second, try this, try that, whatever, but um it all it all depends and eventually you'll get a groove for each army in each scenario to where you'll have a general idea of how you like the stuff set up, whether it be tokens or terrain or deployment or whatever.
0: Yep. And so just to kinda quickly cover the rest of the deployments, the rest of the deployments are just uh six inches or twelve inches, I just highly suggest deploying right at the six inches and the twelve inches uh with maybe the exception to some range units but even then uh you can usually march your other units out past them um if you need to i mean with i guess the exception of like the um the stone thrower but uh really deployment at that point just comes down to um Placing your units uh, in correlation to objectives, I like to use, if there are objectives that you have to fully uh, cover, so like Game of Thrones, um, I like to use the the ruler as like a trajectory to make sure that my unit is aligned perfectly, that if I march, I will cover it if I need to. Uh, You know, you don't have... that. Can just be like a plan, you know you don't have to stick with it, but if you needed to, you're able to march on to the objective without having to maneuver or pivot at all um, yeah, keep no, in no, mind what your uh, keep it in mind what your opponent's placing where just uh like if your opponent has trappers and you have a bunch of wolves, uh you know try to you know they're free folks, so they're probably gonna out be able to out activate you uh with placing but or even let's say um, it's a mirror match, Starks versus Starks, and they have Mira, so they only have one option. You have more activations. Try to outweigh them so that you can stick your wolves away from Mira, so you don't have to uh, deal with it. Granted, you know they're, they move fast enough um, that you should be able to get away from her, but before she gets within that range. But just you know, if you have a certain matchup that's really good or bad against something they have. Just try to outweigh it. You deploy your other things until they've, you know, exhausted all of their stuff, and you're able to counter. Then, you know, with that said, you have to make sure you have space left over for that unit. Sometimes, if you're just kind of placing them willy-nilly, uh, you know, you might have if you have room on right and left, but then you go to place them on the left side and you realize the gap is not big enough. So, keep that in mind too.
1: Yeah. Um, exactly what you said. And then just going back to the whole uh being able to margin cover the objective. Um, dude, that's huge, man. Like that's I I learned that early on. I made that mistake. <laughs> I think and, we all kind of did. Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah well, so especially like, when, you were like, used like to window. only having to touch it.
1: Exactly, yeah. So when that rule changed Man, dude, like I remember there was a game, and I I was off, I mean, slightly. I was off, like, barely, and I was like, oh, my God. And it's like you wasted – like it's like it, that all could have been a waste if I would have just placed better and pre-measured it out. And like you said, use the ruler as a guideline to make sure that you're completely covering it. Um, so I, I, that's something I'll stress that to everyone listening that's huge um, if, to make sure that you're – if you can – Grab the objective. It's fully covered. It. Like make sure you're like fully covered for sure. Because um, you like it's the most frustrating thing when you're off by just a little bit. So
0: yeah, and to kind of go back to your strategy of keeping a tighter formation, um, if there are objectives kind of on the outliers, but they didn't place them all the way too far, you could even projectory line them up to where the most, let's say, the objective on the kind of on the right side outlier you place a unit to where your trajectory will bring the right side of that tray barely on top of it. So you're as close to the center of the board as you can be while still holding that objective. will definitely go a long way of being able to uh, allow you to do both things, both uh, get to the objectives and stay as a more tighter formation.
1: Yep. Exactly.
0: Um, Yeah. So just, uh, you know, uh, that's definitely one benefit of letting your opponent pick their side because uh, they'll have to deploy the first unit. Then again, you know, picking your side could be big if somehow uh, um, the, uh, either the terrain or the objectives got lopsided. But that goes back to my, me being safe. I like to make it as uh, symmetrical as possible so that when it comes to letting my opponent pick their side, I don't have to worry about it. I'm I'm taking away all that advantage to give me the advantage of seeing them deploy first. Um, yeah, um, I think we can kind of wrap it up. We're gonna try to go through these ones. Uh, we're gonna go through each mission, but we're uh, we're not gonna go through the Storm of Swords, um, Winds of Winter, or uh, um, uh, what's we call it uh. Dark Wings, Dark Words, i uh, will probably save that for a different episode where we talk more of a casual um, uh, uh, episode because those three are definitely more of a casual uh, gaming experience um, and they're a lot of fun, uh, especially Dark Wings, Dark Words is probably my favorite mission or close to it, um, but it's, it's still not quite there for tournament in my opinion. Uh, There's still too much left up for the secret cards to kind of screw things up. Um, So we'll start off with Dance of Dragons. We kind of covered this one quite a bit between all the different things. This one, just keep in mind, um, you know, your field commander. uh, Keep in mind the terrain, uh, whether or not uh, you want to place it under there to make it slower, or if you don't really care, uh, you can you know, place them in more strategic positioning. Um, or especially if you want to run away, if you think you can grab them and run away quicker. Um, yeah, I think we kind of covered uh, Dance of Dragons pretty good. What do you think, Jose? Kind of yeah, used that no, one in we, most of our... Uh,
1: we, we used that we used one that in, like, most the of the...
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Game of Thrones, I'll cover real quickly because I feel like that's kind of what... Same situation we talked about Game of Thrones and most of these uh, categories. Uh, Game of Thrones, um, it's nice now that the middle one is a preset, which is the two victory points. I'm still kind of iffy. I hate the two victory point one just because you only need ten points, and when you have five objectives and killing people, trigger ten victory points very quickly in Game of Thrones, so keep that in mind that if you have that like super tanky unit, and you can throw them on top of, like, John and Betts, you can throw them on that middle objective. Uh, I mean, it's going to be an uphill battle for the person not, you know, on the objective that doesn't have it, Uh, or even, like, Blackfish with anything kind of defensive or even mildly defensive. Um, It just, it's going to be an uphill battle. So keep in mind to really focus on that middle objective, Which also kind of hurts, you know, if you throw those two objectives to the outliers, uh, because then you have to focus less uh, attention on that middle one if you want to go after the two outliers. Um, But then you get the secret, uh, the randomness of what the effects do. Um, So that's always a curveball that you have to watch out for. Uh, Is there anything you want to add to that one, Jose?
1: Uh, no, I think, I think you covered it pretty much. I think we're good. Yeah. Um, other, I guess one more thing is
0: the deployment is six inches. So keep in mind that, uh, unless you're cavalry most units are not going to be able to get to that, uh, to a lot of the objectives first turn, even with a March because they have to be 18 from a board edge. So if, so, or 12 from a deployment, I should say. So if your opponent marches and they have a six inch or less maneuver, uh, they physically should not be able to touch an objective. So, um, cavalry are key to grabbing those first turn. Remember, you have to cover them completely, though. So, um, Next one, we'll talk about Fire and Blood, another uh, one that we kind of touched on. Field Commander lets you toss out a uh, victory point every time you activate. This one can be very strong if you have ways of unactivating. Uh, I just played a game against my friend where... uh, The North remembered twice after already having activated his uh, unit to be able to hand out three victory points in one turn um, with his uh, commander unit, which is pretty crazy. Uh, So keep that in mind. That also means you don't want to throw him into the fray and get him killed really quickly, because uh, then he's not going to be able to pass out those victory points. Um, Then just... Keep in mind that you have to mark some units, and with the m- units that you mark, you want to make sure that, in my opinion, uh, this is definitely up for uh, you know debate on your preference. Uh, I like to mark units that are right in the middle. Um, uh, so what I mean by that is, if you have some units that are really strong, some units that are kind of in the middle, and some units that are weak. I like to mark the ones right in the middle because those are the ones that are still going to want to see some action, I'm going to outright like obliterate my unit and get some points. Because uh, in Fire and Blood, it's you get the unit is worth two extra victory points if they're marked. They also get plus two attack dice, and every time they kill a unit, they uh, gain an extra victory point. So if you put it on the middle unit, your chances are pretty uh, likely that they're going to throw them at your stuff. To uh, have a better chance of dying, yes, they still have a chance of killing you. Rather than throwing it on their weak unit, the problem with throwing it throwing it on their weak unit, I've found, is they kind of just play them back more, and then you you might not see them until you're weaker, and that's when they kind of pounce on you, and then your chances of getting those victory points are a bit slimmer. And then obviously throwing it on their Death Star unit is not a good idea because then they're just going
1: to roll over <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think? For that, yeah, for that, what I do is I it. I guess it is a little bit situational, but if we're evenly matched as far as activations, or if I have more activations, I'll try to put it on um, just as a weaker unit, just because uh, chances are we're going to have to fight, uh, especially if we're the same activations or. Uh, you know if I have more we're gonna have to fight, so I'll put it on the weaker ones' Because, um, like you like you said you if they hang back uh in my opinion if they hang back then it's just one last unit I gotta worry about and I'll worry about it later when I'm already heavy up hand um if it's something where I'm out activated uh yes, I will do exactly what you said where I'll put it some like a unit that's like somewhere in the middle that will eventually see some act uh some some action uh, as far as the the, the mark units go, so that's that's my approach to
0: that Yep, and one thing to keep in mind, some tournaments will post what missions they are playing, if uh, if you see Fire and Blood is one of the missions, unfortunately one of the things you can take advantage of, which I'm not really a huge fan of, but I mean it's one of those things that take advantage of it if it's a thing, but it's one of those, I hope that it's just kind of changed, or at least uh, if Tournaments uh, won't show, don't show the mission, so you can't accurately do it. Is you can make one of your two lists be an all elite list. For example, uh, just happens to be my main list is an elite list. It's uh, one unit of great axes and three units of berserkers. I mean, there's no good option there. I mean, I have some wolves, but now with the new rules, you can't <laughs> mark a zero point unit. So do you want to give two extra attacks to you're going to have to give at least one to a berserker because there's three berserkers and one great axe. So then your second option it's do i give it to another berserker or do i give it to great axes uh i mean both have their merits and both i mean they're both bad but uh so that's one thing to keep in mind if you're for sure if you're positive or you know you're hunches that you're going to see this mission, uh, running one super like elite list uh, will really help you in this mission.
1: That's a, I, I would agree with that, too. Uh, just for fun, I was going to mention, if I, if I was to play your competitive StarQuest and that was the situation, I would make sure the great axes are marked. Um reason being is I feel like if I could whittle them down, then they won't be as much of a threat as berserkers. Getting um, to only get more better. attacks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, max they're at uh, what the fourteen, fourteen attacks max. If like the best well, case scenario, if they're marked.
0: Well, they're uh, they would be it's, uh they would go to ten, oh, 12, twelve, fourteen.
1: Yeah. yeah, fourteen. Yeah. No, You'd no, I'm go going. 12. I'm going up.
0: No, I'm going up by two each time. They only go up one, so it's it would be 10, 11, 12. twelve.
1: Twelve. Because they go 8, 9, 10. Yeah, it's 8, 9, 10. You're right, you're right. So 12 max.
0: Yeah, so it'd be... I
1: mean, there's a, there's a chance... They could go 14 champion. if you have
0: a champion in there. A champion true. would give them that plus two true. more dice. Um, but uh, in my list in particular, I don't have any champions. So, but I do have Hodor, so if you mark Hodor's unit, then it would be
1: 10, 11, 12, yeah, plus
0: D3 that. auto hits. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, no, 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 I'll pass
0: but um yeah so definitely keep that in mind for that one um next up we'll talk about is uh feast for crows so this one just like dance uh has objectives that you pick up the difference here is they start on course piles and uh you can't move off the course pile without auto dropping the objectives so um this one kind of accomplishes what I try to do with dance with my terrain placement. This one, uh, basically does the same thing, but even better because you're never moving away from that little spot. Uh, and then the first two units to die are, uh, going to place a course pile with an objective on it as well. So important thing to note with this one is, uh, dying early though sucks, could actually be the difference between you actually winning. Uh, this happened in, um, uh, uh, Indianapolis when I was playing, uh, it was the third round and, uh, ended up winning simply because he first turn killed a wolf and a unit, giving me the option to put both of them both in my deployment, basically, or near it. Um, And so I I was able to capture three of the objectives and hold on to them the entire game, basically. And even though he got that early kill, because one was a wolf, that wasn't like a huge deal. And then one was a unit. I was still at three units strong being able to just play defensive at that point. And, uh, you know, so just, even though like after that I felt like I was just going to roll over and die, you know, I felt like I had no chance, you know, I guess uh if the same thing happens to you just know that uh it's not over. If you if you take some early losses with that mission, you get to play some in your deployment me meaning it's anyone's game still uh which I kind of like. I like knowing that you know you, you have to keep fighting throughout the whole game. It's not just a, oh I got some early kills and now I'm just going to walk all over you.
1: Yeah, no that's very true. Um, that's I mean that's kind of like my play style. That's kind of what I count on. Um, you know, because I don't want to turn my army out, so I'll focus on one side, and my hope is that I kill something, and then now I'm sitting stacked on the side with two versus they got their one, and one of the units is out of the fight. So,
0: kind of wish that the only uh, units that don't cost points, sort of kind of like how Fire and Blood can't mark zero point units. Uh, I wish that the zero point units also fit and create corpse files for feast for crows that way uh let's say I'd have to read up the exact wording, but um if uh since wolves would make a corpse pile, I believe um so would uh bears from the new free folk skin changers, let me actually look it up so I'm not completely getting this wrong uh, and I,
1: if I remember while you're looking it up, if I remember correctly, I don't think cavalry drops corpse piles either. What was that, I said, oh, why
0: no, they, used that to, they used to not to do, I don't I think they actually do know, but I could be wrong, oh yeah, uh, let's see, oh no, I'm completely wrong, so if uh each time an infantry unit is destroyed, yeah okay uh, I right played that one wrong my uh wolf shouldn't have given a course file um, <laughs> but uh, oh well, <laughs> but yeah, so. Uh, with that said, I guess I'll retract what I was saying that you know it's nice that it's only infantry uh I mean then again, cavalry would still make sense. I mean, they put a cal- uh, a dead horse on the corpse file or at least a sleeping one if we want to look at it that way um, so uh, it would be nice if it was just changed to infantry and cavalry that give up a corpse file. I don't see any reason why yeah. cavalry should be exempt, I guess is what I'm getting at.
1: No, I, I agree. I,
0: don't I think Calvary should drop it. Though I, I see why like wolves and bears and things like that shouldn't be dropping a course pile. One, it doesn't make sense because it's a single thing, but two, you know, you, that easy thing, you know, I think why I'm confusing it is I think Feast for Crows used to be, um, Calvary didn't. Cause I swear, uh, early on, um, people were throwing two wolves to die instantly before they were worth a victory point just to create the two additional horse piles and then, you know, exploiting, uh, the mission that way before they changed it to what it finally is. That's probably what I'm thinking of. And that's probably where the confusion is coming from. Um,
1: yeah. Cause I, people, yeah, people then, did
0: use to do that for sure. Yeah. But, uh, we'll go on to the last mission here before we wrap everything up completely is, uh, Clash of Kings. Now, this one is the most controversial, I think. Um, Again, this is kind of like fire and blood in the sense that if you know it's going to be in there, you make a list just tailored to it, which would be an all-calvary or at least mostly-calvary list because you deploy it 12 inches and you your units keep coming back after they die, and when they deploy, they come on deployed without an activation token. Well, because it, the objectives are preset at the middle of the board, you deploy 12, you get your free 5- or 6-inch move, and then you're almost guaranteed a charge every single round, every time you die, um, as long as you didn't activate, and you can come on that turn. Um, and to me, I find that as a big... Uh, I don't know. I don't like knowing that you can, it like, uh, the cavalry has such an advantage in that mission. It's just crazy. Yes, you have your down a rank, and in that mission, because you have to completely con- cover it, it's based on ranks for contesting. But the ability to just come in every single turn and get a charge action, especially if it's like. Uh, Tully Cavaliers or Knights of Casterly Rock or even Flayed Men, even though you know a lot of us think that they're not really worth their points at the moment, but even the Flayed Men uh, charging bonuses, uh, being able to get that every single time they come in. I think a, an easy fix would just be changing deployment to six inches because uh, at six inches, an infantry unit can march and get close enough to the middle for the next round and cavalry will be able to get, ju- uh, the only way they could charge first turn is some sort of, uh, ability. like a, uh, sw- I don't even think swift advance can't, uh, can only be infantry. So, um, if you take the maneuver zone, uh, or if you're a six inch movement on your cavalry you can get there, I believe, on a six on your charge. So if you have that or if you have, like, devastating impact, auto six or something. But, uh, yeah, like, those are some pretty outlier situations that you can try to plan for, but it would definitely stop the always coming on, always charging, and then both infantry and cavalry would be right in the position to get into the fight the very next turn.
1: Yeah, um, no, I would agree. That's a really good point. Um, that actually, And the biggest thing, I think, is it's really good to fix. I had, I didn't even think of that, but if you, if you move it to six inches, it's from the start of the deployment that would fix that issue. That's a very good point. I
0: was just going to say, even if you're only a four-inch move, your six-inch deployment plus an eight-inch uh, march is, what, 14 inches? Puts you within a reasonable distance to then still do something the next round, even if you are a slow unit.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. I I would like to see oh I guess wish hoping that that might change to six 'cause because that that is a good point. That would uh that would make things a little more balanced for someone who's not bringing a lot of cavalry. And what I was going to mention, if your army doesn't have cavalry like uh, free folk or baratheons, um just try and do your fastest unit, you know, um, that's, that's probably your best bet. Just whatever you got, just make that be your fastest. Um, so that's what I was going to mention.
0: If you can play defensive enough, like, uh, what was it? I played against Craig, uh, at Indianapolis and, you know, I didn't have any cavalry and he had an all Calvary list. And, it still ended up being nine to 10. So definitely don't think that if you don't bring it, that you're out of the game. Uh, you just, it's a little bit of an uphill battle. I wouldn't say it's like completely out of your hands, but you just really have to play a bit smarter. Um, you have to, uh, really, you know, know, you know, you have to be prepared for those charges every turn, uh, coming at you. And if you're able to just kind of stall them out and just kind of eke away or eke away at the victory points and just, Unfortunately, unless like the rolls are really bad, um, you're probably not going to be able to get like a a solid victory in most cases. It's probably going to be a hard fought battle if you're all infantry and they're all cavalry. But it is definitely possible. So definitely don't think that going into it that you have no chance.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so I think that kind of wraps up uh, all of the categories all the kind of outlier stuff that you don't often hear people talk about Uh, i hope you guys you know got a lot out of uh, a lot of these uh tips and tricks and things that uh, we we kind of like to do and maybe uh hopefully it's kind of a lot different than the way you guys do it and it kind of gives you some a, a broader outlook on just options you know not necessarily better um things that you already do but just options maybe you've done some of it but not uh some of the other stuff and you'll encounter a situation where it helps you um so thank you uh all for listening you know uh, i want to give a shout out again to uh martin who is doing all the primers i believe they just finished up their last primer at least i think i saw that on facebook um and he's been going all over the place, you know, on his own dime and just, uh, you know, running all these things and, you know, getting prepared to provide, you know, the best, uh, depth count experience for you guys. You know, he wants to be prepared and that's a big reason why he's doing this, you know, testing out his software and, you know, making sure it all runs without a hitch. Um, so definitely want to give him a shout out. Uh, I believe, uh, this Sunday is a Wisconsin tournament. Um, I will probably be posting it up on some of the chats or on the Facebook groups, uh, for those that are kind of in the area. Um, it's supposed to be more of a casual event. I think it was first, uh, uh, listed as a primer, but, um, I think they downgraded it or maybe, I don't know. I, I just know that the title is now, uh, says it's more casual. So, um, Definitely uh, plan for that, uh, plan for a more casual event, Um, you know, easygoing, more newer players, I'm guessing is what they're gearing towards, so I'll definitely be there. I'm going to bring a bunch of prize support and, you know, a bunch of things for the newer players, try to get more people into it, make them feel welcome. Um, You know, definitely keep in mind, uh, sharing our channel out, uh, we're going to do some more prizes uh, as soon as we hit uh, about 250 likes uh and then probably another you know every 100 likes will probably just keep out giving out prizes so um and then anyone who wants to call in uh next show <coughs> sorry next show um i'm going to give one random uh caller uh a free uh unit box of their choice out of all the unit boxes we have i think i have like 30 unit boxes to choose from um so Uh, Just keep that in mind. I'll also give a reminder uh, in our next, uh, you know, posting, you know, call in, and then at the end of the show, a random caller will get a unit box of their choice. Uh, Anywhere in the U.S., ship free. Anywhere outside the U.S., I just ask that if it's a crazy shipping price you just kind of meet us halfway on shipping. Um, But, yeah, uh, thank you again for listening in. Uh, Thank you for all your support. Uh, Share out the video. You can listen to this uh, show on iTunes, um, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Blog Talk Radio. This is the Small Council, and
1: it is dismissed.